Welcome everyone to the Card Subject to Change podcast on the Game Changer Sports Network. I am your host, William Kulski, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the AEW Double or Nothing Rally. We're going to talk about the ticket sales. We're going to talk about New Japan, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and we're going to go over my Elimination Chamber predictions coming up. So, the day I recorded last week's podcast, uh, All Elite Wrestling had their second rally at the MGM Grand Hotel rooftop, where the pool is. Nobody was allowed in the pool, of course. But at this rally, they announced uh, when tickets would be going on sale for Double or Nothing. And before the rally, actually, they announced that Jimmy Havoc was now a part of the show. So, I just want to quickly go over this and talk about um, their new signings, because we already all know. It's been a week. We know everything AEW is doing, but I just want to talk about their signings. So, we got Jimmy Havoc. We got best friends, Chucky T and Trent Beretta. We got the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix. We got Sammy Guevara, and we got Sonny Kiss. And they also announced their second partnership with AAA from Mexico, where now SoCal Uncensored are going to face SEMA and two of his guys. So I like this partnership between AEW and AAA because I don't know. That I just I think it's a good partnership. It adds a different type of wrestling compared to what, say, Cody and the Bucks bring. And from what I've heard, it brings a very different style than what OWE from China brings. So AEW is really just going to have all this diverse type of wrestling that kind of just suits everybody's preferences. And that's what I really like about the signing, not the signing, the partnership with AAA. And so I just realized I forgot to mention those were the male talent signings. And in addition to... Brandy Rose, Dr. Britt Baker, and Penelope Ford, or as Booker T would say, Penelope. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Um, AEW also announced the signing of Aja Kong, Kylie Ray, who's a great girl in and out of the ring. She just seemed, I've met her once. She's just so genuine and. <laughs> When they say she's just happy to be here during her introduction, she really is just happy to be there. And I think that's just a great signing for AEW. Um, they also signed Nyla Rose, who is the first transgender wrestler to be signed to a major wrestling company. So that just says something about AEW is that when there's talent somewhere, they're taking the talent. It doesn't matter who, what you are, what your preferences are, or if you're changing in whatever way. So I think that's a step up for AEW where, like they said at their first rally, is that talent is talent, and they're coming to take it all. They didn't actually say that last part, I don't think. But I just added it. So there we go. Um, and lastly, from also from Japan, they announced Yuka Zakazaki. Is that it? That's the name, officially, right? Let's see. We gotta double check. 
Yeah, Yuka Zakazaki. So, the reason I wanted to put her last is because she was the only one I hadn't heard of before this press conference. So, I decided to look up and watch some of her wrestlings. And dang, this woman is impressive. She is a lot more vicious and intimidating than she looks based on her baggy orange pants. That's it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. But yeah, this the diverse talent they're bringing in and the diverse partnerships they have are just... I don't know. I think it's just going to be great for AEW, and I can't wait until they eventually have a TV deal and are officially, I want to say in competition, but like an official alternative to WWE because the more wrestling, the better. Now, speaking of AEW, on Monday, they had their ticket pre-sale, and that sold out, and I failed at getting tickets. Unfortunately. So, I was waiting for Wednesday when they were available to the general public. And um, I was a little late to the party. I was out to lunch. And I look at my phone. It's 12.10. I got a Twitter notification of all all Elite Wrestling. It said... Double or Nothing has sold out in four minutes. So, I think even if I had tried and was paying attention to the time, I wasn't going to get tickets anyways. And the marked up prices are too ridiculous for me, so I'm probably not going to Double or Nothing, unfortunately. But, yeah, I wanted to just bring that up, that Double or Nothing sold out in four minutes. Four minutes! That's ridiculous. That is so fast. Like, if I sold an event, or if I had an event, I would sell probably zero tickets in four minutes. And the AEW sold a 16th, I think it's a 16,000 scene arena in four minutes to the gen- when it went on sale to the general public, which is insane. It's insane. But, um,. I don't think it's as insane as Jay White Switchblade becoming the new IWGP heavyweight champion in a result of a match that, I mean, in hindsight, hindsight should have been um, kind of predicted because the event was at New Beginnings. And what other way to have a new beginning than to, I don't know, start? With a new champion. <laughs> but, no, nah, I watched the match. It was a very solid match. I really enjoyed it. I did see that Jay White had won before watching it, so I was just waiting for the moment that he did. So I that might have put a little bit of a different perspective in the way I watched it. But I really enjoyed the match nonetheless. Um, So now... Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. So, the show opened with Triple H and Stephanie announcing that Becky Lynch, no matter how hard she fought about seeing her doctor, she's like, yep, she saw her doctor and conferred with the WWE's doctors. And now, 
We got Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. And the suspension is lifted. Assuming Becky Lynch apologizes to them at, by the end of the night. And obviously Lynch didn't want to apologize, even though Stephanie McMahon and Triple H both apologized to Becky. Um, so that just led the story throughout the entire night, cutting to various moments backstage with Becky and people talking to her like Finn Balor and Alexa Bliss. And so the first match on Raw, we had Nia Jax and Tamina Snuka versus Bailey and Sasha versus Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. And the losing match, or the losing team of this match, would start the Elimination Chamber in the one position. Now, if these wrestlers, <coughs> Bailey, had any type of brain in her head right now, she would know that if she didn't tag in and try to do this match by herself after Sasha re-aggravated her shoulder, that there would be no chance of them starting the match. But nah, Bailey's just like, I got this. No benefit for the winner, but I got this. She ends up getting pinned after a Samoan drop by Nia Jax. So Sasha and Bailey, thanks to Bailey not using her brain, will start in the chamber. Now, next up, we had Elias, where I think Mike Rome's the announcer on Raw right now. I don't know what happened to JoJo, but ladies and gentlemen, Elias cuts to backstage with Becky Lynch and Finn Balor. And then that segment's done, goes back to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, Elias. Then they show a promo package for Seth Rollins. And what a year he's had. <laughs> and then, ladies and gentlemen, Elias. Lucha, Lucha. Oh, my God. I The first two times, I thought they were just mess-ups. I thought they just did horrible, horrible timing of the video packages and the backstage segments. But then the Lucha House Party wanted to walk with Elias. And... Um, so Elias played his song on Grand Rapids, Michigan, obviously hated the city as always because his face term lasted like a month and a half. And then Kalisto played the guitar briefly, who was very impressive in my opinion. Maybe this will play into next week's segment, but Elias said he wanted to do a duet. And I think Elias thinks duets mean uh, smashing guitars over the people's backs. And he just darted. He went like, whoosh. He just darted out. He's like, nah, I'm out. Peace. Enjoy your broken guitar on your back. <laughs> then we had um, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre, where Balor won by disqualification, where Bobby Lashley interfered and Angle made the save, which brought out Corbin and Braun Strowman, yada, yada, yada. We had a Teddy Long tag team match player. No Undertaker, though. So, but then we had um, Balor versus... Or not Balor versus... We had a Balor, Angle, and Strowman defeating McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin after McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin defeated Balor, Angle, and Strowman, where the call was eventually overturned and the referee restarted the match, where I had a weird thought while watching this. Um... When the second ref came down saying that Balor's foot was on the rope, 
Chad, I think it was Chad Patton, right? Um, he looked an awful, like, awful. Hold on, what was the word? Hold on. He looked off an a lot, an awful lot, like Dean Ambrose. He was like the Walmart knockoff version of Dean Ambrose, right there. Just the way his haircut and his beard was. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else thought that, but he just, just kind of looked like a knockoff Dean Ambrose. <laughs> We'll get to him later. But, um, yeah. Finn Balor, Kurt Angle, and Braun Strowman won. And then uh, we have Kevin Owens will be returning in a month or so. Now, what I didn't really understand, and, like, Wade Keller also didn't understand, is that when you get injured, apparently you lose what brand you're on. So, I anyone want to help me with that? Why do you lose your what brand you're on after getting injured? You should still be on Raw, Kevin. Still should be. That's how things should be working. But he was bowling with his family, and then he bowled a gutter ball. So just he's being a good, wholesome family man, and I respect that from you, Kevin. And then we had Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch backstage, and Ronda told Becky to man up and apologize. Boom. And then uh, we had Ruby Riot versus Nikki Cross, where Ruby Riot won with a riot kick. And we can tell how important this match was to WWE, considering that they took a backstage segment, they made it the focal point of the match, where on the screen it was like one third and two thirds, and where two thirds was the promo video package, not promo package, a uh, backstage segment. And then, boom, that bad stake segment just took up the whole screen while the match was still going on. And then we had a Seth Rollins promo. He's talking about taking six, uh, six F5s from Brock Lesnar, and he was still standing. Paul Heyman interrupted and teased Lesnar appearing, but he wasn't there. And Rollins says he'll make a deal with the devil and burn in hell. He'll be a martyr. And if it means... Do, do, wow, I can't even speak right now. And he will do whatever it takes by any means necessary to make sure that Brock Lesnar does not leave WrestleMania as the Universal Champion. And then uh, Dean Ambrose showed up, and he's apparently on Rollins' side now by telling him to slay the Beast. Um, I didn't actually read the report, but um, I read an article title that said Dean Ambrose went off script with that. So maybe he's phoning it in just a little bit, and it's a sign that he's actually not coming back, and it's not a work. But we'll ultimately see where that goes. But that led to uh, Dean Ambrose versus AEC3, where Dean Ambrose won via roll-up, like EC3 did a week before. And EC3 tweeted, he was like, Roll up victories aren't real victories, or whatever the exact wording was. But yeah, that's the premise of what he said. And then we had the Raw Tag Team title match, which wasn't really announced until the entrances were made. And then we had the Revival becoming the new Raw Tag Team Champions, which they should have been the Raw Tag Team Champions about a year and a half ago. So hopefully this puts a good light on the Raw Tag Team division even though the Revival have basically no challengers of good standard. So we'll ultimately see where that goes, but 
it's finally great to see the tag titles put on the revival and could still be a sign that they're flattering people who um, have reportedly requested releases in sight of possibly AEW. Either way, Scott Dawson, Dash Wilder, congratulations on your tag team title victory, and I hope to see you hold those titles for a long time. Hopefully up until Survivor Series and we see you two versus probably, let's say, the Usos in the Survivor Series Champions versus Champions match. That was very random, but whatever. That's who I am right now. We're just being all random and all over the place. But um, the show concluded where Becky Lynch came out, apologized to Stefan Vince, not Stefan Vince, Stefan Triple H, and yeah, that was it. He They accepted her apology. The match was put on for WrestleMania, and then mean old Vince came out. Not the good old loving Vince from Raw 25, or when they said the McMahon family's in charge again. But Vince is just like, you're not the man. I'm the man. I don't like bad attitudes. They might accept your apology, but I won't. And he went, Becky Lynch, you're suspended for 60 days. And if I look correctly, that puts you five days past WrestleMania. And now we need somebody who can put up a good fight to Ronda Rousey. We need somebody who can actually challenge her. We need Charlotte Flair. And that's how I ended. Charlotte. Why? Charlotte gets inserted into everything. Everything. I was listening to the Wade Keller post show on Tuesday. The his raw post show. And an emailer wrote in given Charlotte's history of how she doesn't earn anything, she just gets put in. She got put in to SummerSlam when Becky Lynch had earned it. And now she's getting put in here. She was put in somewhere else, too. I can't remember what the first one was. But it is just ridiculous how often Charlotte Flair is just like, oh, you're you're the, you're the daughter of Ric Flair? Oh, yeah, here's your title match. You Here's your seventh title victory. And here's another title defense success. And, yeah, you're Charlotte Flair. You're the best in the world in the women's division. You put this on the map. No, I, I don't see it. Her wrestling's sloppy, in my opinion. Her spears, her moonsaults d- look like not good. <laughs> mm, this irks me just, just a bit. Just a bit. And don't even get me started on her finishing move, Natural Selection. She's been doing it since her time in NXT. And I still have no idea how it's supposed to be impactful at all. I don't see why anybody still sells the move. It looks like crap 95% of the time. And ah, uh, jeez, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Now, we'll move on to something I did like a lot. And that is SmackDown Live. 
Now, SmackDown, unlike Raw, only had four segments, <laughs> which was fantastic. I love when shows seem short but are the same length at that time. So, at the beginning of the show, WWE announced Mustafa Ali would not be cleared for the Elimination Chamber, but he will be replaced by a member of the New Day. Ended up being Kofi Kingston after teasing all three members to be in the match. So, WWE recap Charlotte replacing Becky at Mania against Ronda for the Raw title. Then Charlotte came out, poked fun at Lynch, was chanting, Becky, Becky. You kind of persuade the crowd not to do that. Kind of worked a little bit. And basically announced she'll sit front row at Rousey's Elimination Chamber match against Ruby Riot. Now, just like Raw, we had a triple threat tag team match of Carmella and Naomi versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus the Iconics, where the losing team would enter the chamber first. So, unlike what Bailey didn't use her brain for, the Iconics did. Peyton Royce started the match, immediately tagged out, and the Iconics were never seen again in this match. Therefore, you can't lose and cannot enter first. They use their brains. Why is that so difficult to use your brains in wrestling sometimes? Oh, man. But we had Carmella and Naomi beating Mandy Rose and Sonya. So, Fire and Desire will also start the match first with the Boss and Hug connection. Um, then we had McMiz TV with the Usos. And the Usos talked about being disrespected by McMahon and Miz, calling themselves the best tag team in the world. And they did a little tag team game about how much they know each other. Obviously, the Usos, since day one, connected. Miz and McMahon, not so much. But, however, you had to get the... Uh, Shane McMahon pop of the crowd with, uh, what's, oh, Shane, what's my favorite minor league baseball team? The Toledo Mudhens. Is that actually what their name is? Or did I remember that actually correctly two days later? Toledo. Oh, hell yeah. I got it right. It's the Toledo Mudhens. What are they? They are a minor league, what? The double A, single A. They are a triple-A team. Okay. Still minor league, so that's really all that matters. But, yeah. Uh, Usos connected with dual super kicks on the McMizzes. That's what I'm just going to call them. They're not the McMizzes. And they laid out the tag champs. Now, we had a gauntlet match where the winner is granted final entry into the elimination chamber. A little bit of a twist from the women's chamber, might I say. Um, this match went o well over an hour, a little bit over an hour, and man, Kofi Kingston. <sighs> you might have forgot how good he was in the New Day, because he doesn't wrestle singles matches anymore. He's a tag team match where he doesn't wrestle a third of the time. Actually, he's in the match most of the time, but even half the time in the tag team match. But I'm going to say this once right now, and I'll probably continue to say it until it happens, hopefully. But Kofi Kingston will be a world champion one day. I know he's already been in the company for, I think it's, what, 11 years now? 12, 11, 12 years. And the fact that he hasn't won a WWE title or a world heavyweight title yet 
It's ridiculous. He needs to win one at some point. And I'll get to a little bit of a theory when I talk about my Elimination Chamber predictions. So we started off this gauntlet match with Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. That match, that part of the match went 20-some-odd minutes where Kofi Kingston beat Daniel Bryan clean. Part of my theory at the end. Now, Jeff Hardy came out afterwards, and Kofi Kingston somehow beat Jeff Hardy. And then Samoa Joe came out third, and we're like, oh, great. Kofi's going to die. <laughs> like, very quickly. It's just going to be like, it's going to be like, quick, like, cooking the clutch, and it's over. But, no, Kofi fights through all the ground games of Samojo, all the wearing down, and then Kofi gets a leverage pin victory over Joe, and Joe, as Joe does, he snapped, and he choked Kofi out outside the ring. Where in, So when AJ Styles came out, he made sure Kofi was good to compete, and then Kofi basically snapped. He's like... He's, like, shoving him. He's, like, pushing his face in. He's, like, I've been here 11 years. I've waited long enough. I'm not giving up. It's, like, I've worked too long for this. Worked too long for this and whatnot. So then we had Styles and Kofi Kingston go at it for a while. And, man, Kofi was still going strong. He almost beat AJ Styles as well. But then AJ Styles got him in a calf crusher and... Tapped out, right? Like, I think it was like just a little bit after 60 minutes, which is insane. <coughs> but then uh, Orton's music hit. AJ just looks at the stage for far too long without. <laughs> Randy Orton's known for hitting RKOs out of nowhere. The fact that AJ Styles didn't see it coming, especially just looking at the ramp. For what seemed like eternity, it's probably like thirty to forty-five seconds. He's like, "Oh, where's Randy Orton? Just come on, Randy, come on out. Don't be scared. It's almost ten o'clock." And then he's like, "Nope, RKO. One, two, three. Orton comes in last. End of show. That's it. That's it. So we got Randy Orton coming in last. We got Kofi, Daniel, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles, also in the match. So." I don't know. I'm low-key most excited for this match other than Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa. That's going to be a great match as well. Um, Next up, we're going to talk about the best brand on the show, or in WWE right now, is NXT. I think we had a very good show for NXT this week where we had um, Dominic Dijakovic versus Shane Thorne. Without Nick Miller because he's not with the company anymore. So it's good to see that they're still using Shane Thorne. Instead of just like completely writing him off. The theme song is still so good. And we had uh, Dominic Dijakovic pick up the win. It was a very good very good match where Dijakovic did like corkscrew planches to the outside. And just, I don't know, it was a little bit back and forth. But Dominic Dijakovic obviously I think... Would have gotten the upper hand, which he did. But then we um, cut to uh, Umberto Carrillo and the debuting Stacy Irvin Jr. And then Cassius Ono comes out and declares he's leaving NXT. 
And then Keith Lee hit him with a discus elbow, knocked him out for a bit. And, ah, uh, man, I don't think I've said this before anywhere, but Keith Lee is so good on the mic. He hasn't really had a lot of talking in NXT before this episode. But, man, he he's really good. He's like, oh, no. Oh my God! Uh, that was a that was a very bad impression. Don't don't listen to that again, please. But he did that, and he was basically like, "Here, if you want to leave, just get out of here. I'm showing you the door." And then the street profits come out because they're facing Umberto and Stacy Irvin, and. Yeah, the Street Profits showed a more vicious side of themselves this time. And man, Montez Ford, once he gets called up to the main roster, hopefully they're still in the, as a tag team, and hopefully they're not tossed on 205 Live. Well, Montez Ford could, but not Dawkins. He's, less, he's more than 205. But um, man, they're going to be stars on the main roster. I'm just telling you that now. I think they're going to be really big on the main roster. They're they're just gonna be a hit with the audience. I feel like, cause Montez Ford with his abilities, Dawkins with his hard hitting, and it's like, an all fun attitude outside the ring. Where once it's in the ring, it's just like, let's go. But it's not the all fun like an Adam Rose or No Way Jose. It's more. It's kind of more like um, I don't know. I'm I just think college kid fun with. Montez Ford's uh, formerly known Red Solo Cup, now Black Cup, with um, their logo on it. But that's just basically how I view the Street Profits. I think they're just going to be big stars one day. But after the match, they cut a promo calling out the War Raiders, saying that they're ready for war. And then, um, who came out first? It was um, it was uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Then it was Oni Lorcan and um, Danny Birch. Then the Warriors came out. I was like, yeah, you want a war? We're right here. And then uh, the Undisputed Era came out and attacked the Warriors from behind, beat them to the now and tossed them in the ring. And all the other teams started beating down on the Warriors. And the Warriors still got rid of everybody. And to top it off, through Oni, like, I would think it was. Row had Lorcan above his head and just threw him outside the ring onto everybody. And the Undisputed Era looked just on the stage. They just looked dumbfounded that that, that, that actually happened. But, yeah, it did. So, except that, Undisputed Era. The tag team division in NXT is the best on any show right now in WWE. But after that, we had Aaliyah. Who great to see you back on NXT TV again? Versus Tanara Conti. Also great to see her on NXT TV as well. But we had uh, Vanessa Bourne walk down during the match, so we got a little partnership between her and Aaliyah. And Aaliyah ended up picking up the victory over Conti. But after the match, uh, Baszler, Duke, and Shafir came out, wreaked havoc, and just like, yo. This is the NXT you live in now. Don't piss us off. Simple as that. And then the show ended 
with Ricochet versus Adam Cole. Another great match between the two of them. You can't go wrong with any of the top guys in NXT. Ricochet, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Gargano, Ciampa, and Black. Just like give us any combination of the six or even all six, like halftime heat. And it's just like whatever combo of the six you have. And you could throw other names into the mix too. But at least those six, if you just throw us any combo of them at a takeover or just even at an NXT TV taping, it's just like, yo. They're just going to burn the house down. Sorry, you had to steal Seth Rollins' slogan a little bit. But they're just so good. And they they don't put on bad matches in NXT. What what can I say? But after the match, we had Undisputed Eric beat down on Ricochet. And then Black came out, beat down on him too. And then, boom, show's over. Boom, show is over so on Sunday February 17th 2019 we have the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view and we got two chamber matches how many title matches do we have well it's one two three four five six we got six title matches and one no disqualification match and I'm going to quickly run down my predictions of who I think is going to win each match. And I'll give my little theory on what I think will happen between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. I just gave it away a little bit, but past Elimination Chamber. So we're going to start with the pre-show match. We got Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa. I think Buddy Murphy's going to retain. I think he's going to be champ. At least until WrestleMania. And right now, I just don't see anyone being a contender to his title. But I'm sure if they find a contender for WrestleMania, they're going to steal the show. Maybe he'll drop it at Mania. And then I think Buddy Murphy will get promoted to either Raw or SmackDown during the Superstar Shakeup. Because Buddy Murphy's just too good for the division. He literally, he still is WWE's best kept secret. Out of all the shows, 205 Live is probably the least watched. Buddy Murphy is truly WWE's best kept secret. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. And I just want him to... uh, He needs to get out in front of more of an audience for on a Raw or SmackDown. I'm telling you. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill it when he gets to Raw or SmackDown. That's all I really got to say about Murphy. He's just going to kill it. Then um, we got Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in the only non-title match on the show from the looks of it. I'm um, just going to double check. Um, women's tag, SmackDown tag, WWE Cruiserweight Women's Intercontinental. Yeah, the only non-title match on the show with no titles involved. Not even not saying non-title match makes it sound like one of the competitors is the champion, but um, we know they're not. But I think Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. I think Braun Strowman's going to win. I think it's just a gateway for Braun Strowman to win. Hopefully, maybe Drew McIntyre will get involved and help Corbin out. But ultimately, I think Braun Strowman's going to pick up the victory. And then 
Um, we got Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush versus Finn Balor in a handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, Finn Balor can win the title by either pinning Lashley or Rush, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do. I think he's going to pin Rush, though, so it'll set up a rematch between Lashley and Balor at Fastlane, where I think Balor will retain there as well. So it'll send Balor heading into WrestleMania as Intercontinental Champion. He'll have, hopefully, a high-stakes opponent to where he can bring out the Demon. Just kind of, maybe they'll they'll finally have Demon versus Sister Abigail. I I would not want that to happen, actually. But (laughs) it's there. It's an option. But, um... Got Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's title with Charlotte Flair at ringside. I think this one is pretty obvious. We have gonna have Ronda Rousey go over. Charlotte's probably going to get involved. And maybe we'll have a a Ruby Riot win by like disqualification or something. So like she'll uh, no, that'll be Ronda Rousey's first loss unless they're behind that with the tag team loss Ronda had. I'm not sure. Either way, Ronda Rousey's going to walk out of there as champion. Then we have uh, Team McMiz versus the Usos. I think the Usos are going to regain the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I think they're going to be six-time Tag Team champs, and it's going to be the start of this dissension between the Miz and Shane McMahon to where it'll hopefully have a blow-off match at Fastlane because... I don't want to see that match at WrestleMania. I know we got to get Shane on the card because WWE, it's what they do. But um, it's really all I got to say. It'll be the start of the dissension between Shane and Miz. And to be honest, if uh, Shane and Miz do win the match, then I'm going to be thoroughly surprised. So I'm going to go with the women's tag titles before the WWE so I can talk about my theory after. So we have um, Nia Jax and Tamina versus the Riot Squad versus Fire and Desire versus the Iconics versus Naomi and Carmella versus the Boss and Hug Connection inside the Elimination Chamber for the inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Now... We know Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and Sasha and Bailey are starting this match with everyone else in the pod. And I think the Iconics are going to go over. That's just personal bias. I love, gotta love the Iconics. Billy Kay, Peyton Rice, great people. Great people. I don't know. Just whenever they're on my TV, they're great. And I think they're like the one true tag team in this whole entire match. Yes, the Riot Squad have been together for well over a year. We got Nia Jackson Tamina, the both of the Samoan heritage. So we that's why they're put together. We got Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, best friends since their time at Tough Enough in 2015, I think it was. Sasha and Bailey, they're on and off again friendship. And we got Naomi and Carmella, the 
throw-in team because SmackDown doesn't have any more teams. But um, as the video packages for all the teams played on Raw and SmackDown, the Iconics have been working and dreaming for this opportunity to become tag team champions for 14 years. Can any of these other people say that? No. So my pick to win the inaugural Women's Tag Team Championships would be the Iconics. And if that so does happen, I think I might have to buy one of the replica belts whenever they come out and have Billy and Peyton sign it just as the first champs. It'll be a great piece of history and memorabilia of my collection. And I just really want to see it happen. So, in the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship, we have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton versus Samoa Joe versus Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. Wasn't sure if I said that in the beginning, so I'm just reiterating it if I did. Um, so, we don't Randy Orton's coming in last. And we don't know what the other order is. So I'm going to run down what I think the order of elimination is. I didn't do it for the last match, but that I don't have theories for that one after the fact. So I think uh, I'm going to write this down so I don't forget see how close I was. I think first eliminated will be Jeff Hardy. Because he's the most expendable in this match. And then I think we're going to have... Who? Orton doesn't come out to the end, so it'll be later. I think we'll have Samoa Joe get eliminated second. Because he's, he gets overconfident sometimes. And it's just I think it's just going to cost him early. Then I think we'll have... AJ Styles get eliminated. Then Randy Orton. Actually, you know what? I'm going to flip-flop those two. Put Randy Orton third, so we'll have a final four in the match. So Randy Orton third. Then we'll do AJ Styles, so we can have a little bit of um a Styles-Brian hand uh, switch off from just their history. And then so that the final three would be Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, and Kofi Kingston, where we'll say Daniel Bryan pins AJ Styles or makes him tap. So that leaves that gives us a final two of Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston to where I think they're just going to go at it for a while before Kofi Kingston ends up losing the match. But here's where my little bit of theory comes into play. I think Kofi Kingston's going to put on such a performance because, honestly, I could see that ending happen, happening even if Kofi starts off at number one or two just to pull off another Iron Man performance just like he did on SmackDown to where the following SmackDown after the Chamber, after Daniel Bryan beats Kofi, we can um, have Kofi in the New Day lobby to have... Um, Kofi get a one-on-one -on -one shot with Daniel Bryan at Fastlane because Kofi Kingston did beat Daniel Bryan clean on SmackDown in the first match of the gauntlet. So it's not like Daniel Bryan had already gone through two matches and it's not like Kofi Kingston had gone through two matches. It was the first match of the gauntlet. Kofi Kingston won. 
and yeah, I want to see a WWE Championship match between Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at Fastlane. Eric Rowan, well, they're just Rowan now, and the New Day barred from ringside. And we could also potentially see a Luke Harper join Daniel Bryan at Elimination Chamber. If Rowan gets involved, who knows? We might just add another member to Daniel Bryan's cult vegan following. But we'll find out what actually happens. But my overall pick for the Elimination Chamber match is Daniel Bryan going over everybody. And then, so that's my predictions for the Elimination Chamber. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a nice review. And if you would be kind, follow me on social media at William Kliske on both Twitter and Instagram. And follow the show at CSTC Pod on both Twitter and Instagram as well. I'm working on keeping up with those two social medias, so over the next coming weeks, they should be higher up, or they should be used more often, be posting more often, and uh, please check out the Game Changer Sports Network at GameChangerSportsNetwork.com, as well as Game Changer Sports Network on Facebook for all your other sports needs, including wrestling. It's, it's a really cool site. I know the owner. He's a great guy. Great. He has a lot of great people on his staff for the site. So please check it out if you can. And just remember the card is always subject to change.